This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. My brothers and sisters, welcome back. This is our third lesson about the summarized version of the fiqh of salat, the uh, actions and sayings and what we do in Salat and what we can't do and so on. So today insha'Allah I'm going to talk about four matters. I'm going to talk about what we call the 14 pillars of Salat. It's number one, 14 pillars. Number two, the eight obligatory things in Salat. 14 pillars of Salat, 8 obligatory things in Salat, and finally, what we call the voluntary, or the better, a better word for it, the correct word is the Sunnah acts and sayings of Salat. And the fourth thing I'm going to talk about is, if you miss out the pillars of Salat, what do you do? If you miss out on any of the obligations of Salat, what do you do? And if you miss out on any of the sunnas of the salat, what do you do? And I'm going to explain the difference between each one and what each one means. So pay attention, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, usually something like this, I would give it in just, you know, two by two or one by one. But inshallah, hope if, if, if you want to write them down, you can, inshallah ta'ala. And we're recording it, so whoever wants it from the Preston Mosque, the Umar al-Khattab Masjid um, Facebook or website. So, Allah al-Musta'an, we'll begin insha'Allah ta'ala. So my dear brothers and sisters, as I said before, Salat is divided into three main parts. The pillars, the obligations, and the sunnas. What is the difference? The pillars, in, the, in, in, in fiqh terms, is called arkanul salat the arkan. It's like Arkanul Islam, Arkanul Iman, the pillars. The pillars of the Salat are the most important. And your Salat cannot be valid. It's invalid. If you miss out any of the 14 pillars of Salat, you will have to repeat either the entire Salat again or parts of the Salat again. They're called the 14 what? pillars. Salat is invalidated. If you miss out any of these pillars and to validate it again, you would have to either repeat the whole Salat or parts of it. I'll explain later, inshallah. The obligatory acts a little bit less than the pillar. Your Salat is not invalidated just by missing them. If you miss them deliberately, your Salat is invalidated. If you miss them mistakenly or forgetfully, your salat is not invalidated, but there's something you have to do at the end of the salat. You don't have to repeat anything, but there's something you have to do at the end of the salat, which is called sujood as-sahu or sajdatay as-sahu, the sajdas of forgetfulness or mistake. The last thing is the sunnas. Sunnah means the practices of the Prophet ﷺ or his sayings. But, and the scholars have helped us, you know, 
along the way throughout the centuries, throughout the, deca uh, the centuries to teach us what, are, what were the sunnas. The sunnas are basically the acts and sayings that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said or did in anything. But here we're talking about the salat. So in the salat, you, you are free. It's optional. You do them or you choose not to do them. It doesn't matter if you deliberately leave them out or you forget them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect your salat at all. They are completely optional, but they are a sunnah, which means they are part of the salat. They are part of the deen. They are part of the sharia, part of the uh, what was sent down from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Prophet, peace be upon him, but in the form of an optional, voluntary, if you want to increase the value of your salat, you want to make it better, you want more hasanat, more rewards for it, then you can do them. And if you leave them out, it doesn't affect your salat whatsoever. You don't have to repeat anything, but you just don't earn that extra, those extra points, those extra rewards. The, the salat is not as valuable as it could have been. It's like when, you, when you're at school, you submit to your teacher an assignment or a project and there are things that you can't leave out. If you leave them out, they'll, they'll give you the assignment back or they'll fail you. And there are things that you should say them, but if you don't say them, um, you know, they'll take out major um, marks. And there are things in your assignment that if you want to do them, they'll just add some of the marks, but they won't take off any of your marks. Does that kind of make sense? So you want to make a nice border to your page. You want to use it in nice fonts. You want to decorate it a little bit more. You put a little bit of diagrams you weren't asked to do, but it just makes it nicer. So these things are, you know, they increase in your assignment. So same thing in Salat, that kind of thing. So how many categories have we got? How many things, how many things is the, Quran, the Salat divided into? Three. What are they? Who can repeat them? Pillars, obligations, sunnas. Okay? You got it? Now let's go into them, inshallah. The pillars, they're 14. With a slight difference of opinion among the scholars about a couple of them, only two of them that I know of. So from here on, we're going to now get into the technical part where we're going to see differences of opinions among scholars. That's fiqh. Fiqh means jurisprudence. How you practice your deen. There's going to be some things that are not clear cut in our religion they are left open to the scholars to help us understand them a little bit more and it's not a problem at all brothers and sisters fiqh matters that are not clear cut are not a problem at all you can follow either or either or whichever one imam that you trust and, and you speak to or if you follow even a school of thought uh, I'm not going to go into that in detail today but there are things called schools of thought the madhahib they are the known Hanafi, uh, the Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi'i, and the Hanbali schools of thought that um, survived throughout the ages. There were others, but they survived throughout the ages. I've got to talk about the four madhabs or the four imams I gave uh, a long time ago, I think 2011. It's on YouTube. If you want to go have a look at it, just to give yourself a refresher, it's just a summary. It, I don't go into detail, just so you can familiarize yourself with what are these four schools of thought. Okay, and they are valid in the Sharia, insha'Allah, but they are not uh, what we say, uh, they're not make or break. They're, they're not the, 
they, they help us understand our religion. So anyway, here we go. What are the 14 pillars of Salat? Number one is a difference of opinion. It's called the niyyah, the intention. Intention, niyyah. Difference of opinion how? Some of the scholars said it is a pillar. And others they said you don't need to call it a pillar because intention for any act of worship is a pillar. It's not just for Salat. You understand? The rest of the pillars are just for Salat. The Niyyah, it is a pillar, but for every act of worship. Salat, fasting, zakat, hajj, all the acts of worship, Niyyah, intention, is a pillar. You have to have it. Otherwise, what are you doing? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, He wants to know what you're doing, right? So, intention. And, you know, our Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, All actions are judged by your intentions. What are you doing them for? And this is what makes the biggest difference about any action you do, any statement you make, whatever you do. You might help someone truly because you're genuine and you truly hope for Allah, God, to record what you've done in your records and reward you for it along with doing something good because you enjoy goodness and you enjoy helping people. Some people, their intention to help you is for a financial gain, and that's it. That's what you're going to get. Some people, they intend to uh, be pleasant only to impress someone or maybe a girl or a guy because they want to attract them. Anyway, in our religion, there is a foundation. You will only receive the rewards or the consequence of your intention. Why did you do what you do, what you did? Why did you do what you did? Very important concept. But because we're talking about prayer and salat, our five daily prayers, you know, that's a topic of its own. But it suffices me to say this one statement of our Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. He said, Beware, for on the day of judgment there will be three people one of them is a scholar the other one is a charity giver and the third one is someone who was a warrior and fought to protect and defend Allah will ask the scholar what did you do with the knowledge I gave you and the scholar will say my Lord I taught it for your pleasure and I did it for your sake and I did it so you may see it and I did it because I love you. Allah will tell him, you are lying. And the angels will say, you are lying. And Allah will say, you only did it so that people can call you a knowledgeable, wise scholar. That's all you did it for. Because you wanted, to, you wanted your reputation, you wanted to look good. And so you received that. You, you were called and your entire life you received that reputation. Today you have nothing with me. That was your intention. I'll give you what you intended. The, third, the second person, the charity giver, says, Ya Rabb, I gave the wealth that you provided me with in my life for your sake and to please you. And I wanted your love and all that stuff. And Allah will say, you're lying. And the angels will say, you're lying. And he will say, you only gave charity so that people can call you a generous person. You whacked yourself on YouTube. You put yourself on Instagram. 
and you took a photo while giving it to the poor and the needy because you wanted to get some likes and you got it and you earned your wealth for it and that's what you did it for and that was your intention today you have nothing you've already got what you intended for and the third one is the warrior who died and protecting and defending and he will say my lord i used my blood and my body you know for your sake i, I did it so i can protect the poor and the vulnerable and the oppressed and so on but Allah will say you're lying. The angels will say you're lying. You only did it so that people can call you a hero. That's why you did it. You didn't do it for any other reason. You were after the glory on earth and you got that. So today you have nothing. At the end of the day, brothers and sisters, really and truly, Allah, his name is Al-Adl. He's the fair, the just. And he really leaves it up to you. You have the choice. You get to choose what your end is going to be. Where do you want to go? Your choice is based on your intention. Now, sorry if I, I went a little bit more on that, but I, I saw some guests with us here and people and some Muslims who have first time I see them and other people who may need a little bit more explanation. So, because the topic today is um, mostly for people who already know the foundations of Islam, the religion, you, you already have studied it. So I'm going to technicalities now about the aspects of Salat. Anyway, so, All actions are judged by their intentions. Your intention is what matters when you do something. My brothers and sisters, we move on. When you're about to do salat, the first pillar of salat is your intention has to be right. Why have you come to pray? Do you know what you're praying? Are you aware of which prayer you're doing? That is inside the heart. That is in where? Inside the heart. I'll give you an example. If you're about to drink water to quench your thirst, and you know the reason why you're drinking water is to quench your, first, your thirst, and you know that what you're doing, you are aware of what you're doing, and you're doing it for that purpose. Do you have to say it with your mouth? Do you have to say, I now intend to drink water in order to quench my thirst at this particular time, and then you drink? You don't say it with your mouth. The intention is where? In the heart. So in Islam, it's the same. Any act of worship that you do, God, Allah, knows what's inside your heart. You don't need to say it. For Allah says in the Quran, We created the human, and we are closer to him or her than their own jugular vein, than the blood that flows through your own arteries and veins. Allah knows your intention, knows your heartbeat, knows the cell that is inside your blood. So your intention is what matters to Allah. And there is a beautiful statement of our Prophet, peace be upon him. He said, Allah, is not, Allah does not look at your bodies and your features. Allah doesn't look at your features and how you look, whether you're good looking or, or not so good looking, or whether you're big or small, or what you look like. But Allah looks at your hearts and your actions. Actions and hearts go hand to hand. But an action without a good intention is an invalid action. You can't have an action that is good without the proper intention with it. So the salat is the intention and it is in the heart. The moment you come to make salat, prayer, and you lift your hands up to say Allahu Akbar, the intention is right there. Okay, what is your intention in your heart? Let's say, for example, you've come to pray salat al-dhuhr, the midday prayer. The moment you say Allahu Akbar, the intention is what? 
your intention is already there. You're there to pray which prayer? The dhuhr prayer. When? Now. Are you aware of that? Yes. That's enough. The reason I'm, I'm emphasizing this, brothers and sisters, is because there's something called whispers of the mind. Some people, they get these whispers, and they, become, they get into this obsessive-compulsive whispers in their head. Did I do it right? Did I not do it right? Am I doing the right prayer? No, 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 no. My intention wasn't right. What is an intention? And they keep going so much until they get into a compulsive disorder. So in Islam, it's a very simple. Worship is simple. God did not make, Allah did not make religion difficult on people. So your intention is to pray to Allah in that particular salat at that time. Some people now say, but, you know, do we have to say it with our mouth? Some scholars, they said, you should say it with your mouth. I'll just go for two minutes on this one, if you like. Some people, just in case, some people who want to know, you know, when they listen, some people have different opinions and they're quite zealous on this topic, subhanAllah. You shouldn't be zealous on it. But some people, they go, no, you must say with your mouth, I intend to do this at this time. And others, they say, no, if you say it with your mouth, you are innovating in the religion. You should not say it. My brothers and sisters, it's much more simpler than that. Let's not go into technicalities where we divide on matters that are simple. Let me tell you something. You know the four schools of thought that I told you about? All of them are enormously great, knowledgeable groups of scholars that <laughs> nothing failed them, mashallah. But this is what they differed. Some said that it is better to say it with your mouth, I intend. The reason I'm saying because I know a lot of Muslims, this is a, a heated topic for them. They say, I intend to pray Salatul Dhuhr, you know, behind the Imam at this time, four rak'ahs for the sake of Allah. The scholars who said this, there's a group of the Shafi'is and a group of the uh, uh, Hanafis and a group of the Hanbalis. The group of the Malikis said no, and a large group of the Hanbalis also said no. So you can see there's a difference of opinion. But what did they say? They said it is mustahab, it is recommended to say it with your mouth, I intend, while your intention is in your heart. All of them agree that intention is in the heart. At, you know, if it's not in the heart, there's nothing acceptable. But they say, say it in case there's whispers in your head. Just to affirm it to yourself. I come to pray Salatul. And you say it to yourself, like you're just kind of confirming it to yourself. They don't say it is a sunnah. Listen carefully, brothers and sisters. A little piece of knowledge for those who want to know a little bit more about Islam. There's something called sunnah and something called mustahab. Mustahab means recommended. And something called sunnah means the prophet said it or did it himself. What is the difference? A recommended act can be a sunnah and sometimes it's not a sunnah. A recommended act could be scholars telling us their opinion. Saying it's recommended for you in the case that if you find it hard, you've got whispers about your intention, just say it to yourself very silently just to sort of remind yourself what you're doing. So it's like talking to yourself. That's all it is. They didn't say it's part of religion. They didn't say it's a sunnah. They just said mustahab meaning we recommend that. And this is, I think, where a lot of people misunderstand the difference between mustahab and sunnah. Sunnah, again, is the actions and sayings of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And mustahab can be this is the actions and saying, or scholars' educational guess, their opinion, their recommendation for a different purpose, not saying it's part of the religion. And I think this is where the misunderstanding is. Yeah? Now the opposite. There are those who say, no, it is a bid'ah. It is an innovation in the religion to say with your mouth, I intend. And they quote to you, um, 
for example, the Malikis and some of the Hanbalis, they say, and we consider this a bid'ah, which is true. But you see, brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. Oh, oh, I wish I didn't have to talk about this so much, but I'll just say it very quickly, inshallah, and please, you know, have mercy on me. I don't want people stopping me later and saying, no, but you're wrong, and this sheikh said this. Please, don't do that. We're over that. This I've been through that for years and years, and I'm, I'm tired of it. So here we go. Bid'ah, my dear brothers and sisters, is of three types. There is the bid'ah which makes a person go out of the fold of Islam. When people innovate into the religion, that takes them out of the fold. And there is a type of innovation which makes a person corrupted in their beliefs, but they don't go out of the fold. And there is a third type of bid'ah which is called, literally, wallahi, this is all it is, the difference of opinion among the scholars. Scholars sometimes call difference of opinion among the scholars as a bid'ah, as what we say innovation, but what it means, term, the terminology means that there is a difference of opinion. It's not, doesn't mean that you are out of the fold of Islam, you're doing something major sin. No, no, no. And this is where I think the confusion is. And here, is, here, are, here are just two examples I'll give you. Um, Imam al-Nawawi, great Imam, isn't he? Imam al-Nawawi. You all know about Imam al-Nawawi? Those who know a little bit more about religion? Okay, there's a great Imam called Imam al-Nawawi. He wrote, one of the books he wrote is um, the 40 Hadith of Imam al-Nawawi. A great scholar that is undisputed, right? That he is uh, one of the great high-ranking scholars of, of all time. What he said was, um, he quoted that um, if you pass wind, then you should go and use water to clean your backside. <laughs> Sorry for the expression. It's called istinja, right? If you pass wind. And some scholars said it's mustahab, it's recommended. Others, they said it is uh, mubah, do it or don't do it, no big deal. And number three, they said it is disliked. And when they said it's disliked, Imam al-Nawawi says, this is how he said disliked. He said it is a bid'ah, but what it means, it's makruh, disliked, because of the difference of opinion. La alayhi fa'iluhu. The person who does it is not sinned. Bid'ah, not sinned. So what does that mean? There is a third category of something called innovation, but it is not something that takes you out of the fold of Islam. It means there's a difference of opinion. They just believe that since the Prophet didn't say it or do it, don't do it. Do you understand, my brothers and sisters? I had to make this point. Another example is Salatul Duha. Salatul Duha, what is it? Sunnah, Mustahab, Makruh, what do you think? For those of you who know, Salatul Duha, the, the prayer when we do when the sun is just before, it's between sunrise and, and midday. What is it? Sunnah Mu'akkada Bilal says, others they say Mustahab, others they say it is Mubah. Did you know that some scholars said it's Makruh? Like Abdullah ibn Umar, the great companion. I think either him or ibn Abbas, I think Abdullah ibn Umar. He says it's a bid'ah. What does it mean it's a bid'ah? It means that he never saw the Prophet ﷺ doing it. To, to him, he doesn't want to do it. But bid'ah means there's a difference of opinion. Some saw, some didn't, he didn't see. There are technicalities like that. I'm sorry, brothers and sisters, for those of you who are new to these terminologies. Some of you don't even know what Islam means, I know. And there are some of you here, we're in the masjid here, where there are people of so different varying levels of knowledge. And I just wanted to talk about that matter because it is quite a, quite a controversial matter among some people. Um, and I just wanted to sort of take care of that. I hope, inshallah, that you understood this point. So, conclusion. One of the pillars of Salat 
is that you should, you should have the, the right intention for coming to pray that specific prayer. If it's dhuhr, your intention is dhuhr. If it's asr, your intention is asr. If it's the sunset prayer maghrib, it's your intention is sunset prayer. You understand? But you do not have to say it with your mouth. If you do not say it with your mouth, it does not affect you in any way. And if you do say it with your mouth, and you go by the opinion of the scholars that say, we recommend it just so that you can confirm it to yourself, it's okay. It doesn't affect your salat. Some scholars say you shouldn't, and it's probably a sin. You can go with that opinion if you like. But at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, the one I rest on is you never, you never have to say it with your mouth. And in fact, I believe, and I've tried it before when I was younger, saying it with your mouth makes, mouth makes it even worse. Because next thing I'm saying... Oh Allah, I intend to pray to you Salat al-Dhuhr. Then I go, hold on, I didn't intend how many rak'ahs. I've got to say it. Oh Allah, I intend to pray for you Salat al-Dhuhr, four rak'ahs. Hold on a minute, I've also got to say the timing because the timing is important. I intend to pray to you, oh Allah, four rak'ahs dhuhr at this time. Hold on a minute, I've got to intend that it's for you. Okay, I intend to pray, and I keep going on and on. Where does it end? So practically, it's, 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 it's impractical. And it doesn't make sense. And it makes religion hard to practice. Anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Intention is where? In the heart. End of story. And there's nothing specific you have to say in your heart or imagine <laughs> or picture. Intention is intention. Okay, it's as simple as drinking a cup of water because you want to quench your thirst. Alright? It just means that if you're coming to make salat and you have no intention whatsoever, you don't know what you're doing. And you just go, Allahu Akbar. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know which prayer you're doing. You it means that you're not aware you got to stop, start again, say Allahu Akbar, so that you're just aware what you're doing. What are you doing here? I'm praying Salat al-Dhuhr. That's it. That's all it is. That's all you need to do. All right? And majority of us, we're all, intention is very simple. Have, are we done with that? Now, I'm going to go through the next ones quite quickly. All right? Number one, in order for your Salat to be counted before you start, as soon as you say Allahu Akbar, your intention has to be right. You, are, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing and you are aware. Finished. Number two. Saying, Allahu Akbar. You can't start salat. It's invalid if you do not start with saying, Allahu Akbar. It doesn't matter if you don't say it 100% correctly. Some people are not good in Arabic. But kind of, you get the meaning right. Allahu Akbar. Finished? So that's the second pillar. Allahu Akbar. Number three, recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha completely. Surah Al-Fatiha. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All the way to غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين. Alright? The most important is just say the letters right. It doesn't matter if you're not really good at saying it. As long as you say the letters right, somewhat. Even some people that don't speak Arabic at all, some people are new to Islam. They could just convert it to Islam. And they come to make salat. Don't worry. Allah says, Allah did not make religion to make things difficult for you. Whatever you're capable, whatever you're able to. It's only for those who deliberately say it wrong. Like, just want to be smart, smart Alex. <laughs> I almost said a bad word. Only those who want to get smart in Salat and they just want to, you know, play around with Salat. And these are, these are people who are just hypocrites. They're not, they're not really true, truly believing in prayer. They're making fun of prayer. So you're not making fun of prayer. You're coming in to pray really well. And if you make a mistake in your Fatiha and you're really trying, it's not deliberate, that's okay. Because you don't speak the language. All right? But if you do speak the language and you're able to do it, you must do it, the Fatiha. Some people, they go like this. 
الحمد لله رب العالمين رب الرحمن مالك يوم الدين اكرم فينا ولا الضالين. They say the first part right and the end part right and everything in between is as we say in Lebanese خبيصة بلبن. It's a mixture of I don't know what recipes you've put in there ingredients. You know, it's like mixing petrol with uh, oil and oil with uh, cucumbers and cucumbers with meat and I don't know what. Khabisa, it's just all over the place. You cannot have your salat right if you do not recite the Fatiha properly. So the whole thing. How many pillars are they? Three. Salat al-Fatiha. I mean, Surah al-Fatiha. Next, you must do the bowing correctly. So next is bowing. Ruku'a. Ruku'a. Number, th- number four. Ruku'a. What is ruku'? Ruku' is basically you go down into this position of called bowing. And basically you've got to put your palms either on your knees or just above your knees. But the point is you've got to have some of your palms on your knees. And your back has to be relatively straight if you can. It doesn't really matter. Okay? Even if your knees are slightly bent, it doesn't matter. But the point is you get into a bowing position. If you get your back straight and you get your palms onto your knees and your legs are straight and whoa you know that's the best but minimal get it to somewhat that position some people got backaches some people can't do it. it's not aerobics right so bowing ruku' is a pillar if you miss that out you got to repeat that entire set of prayer yeah next is standing back up straight and waiting there what did i say Standing back up straight and what? And waiting there. Some people, I mean, I would have gotten up with the cameras here. Some people, they, they, they go up from their rukur, up. They don't even wait there. They don't even get to the standing position because they're in a hurry. For what? I don't know. What are you in a hurry for? It's just a three-second difference. It's amazing. What are you in a hurry for? Get up, just stand, wait. Because you're standing before Allah. You're standing before God. Don't you want to have the best way of standing? How would you stand before a judge about to sentence you? How would you stand before, a, uh, before an employer who's about to give you an amazing job that you're, you're, you're in need of and you're struggling financially? How do, you, how do you sit in front? How do you dress? How do you talk? Isn't Allah the creator of the universe and all these people, the most magnificent, the tremendous, the one who made you and the one because of whom your heart is beating night and day? Isn't he more deserving of your respect and your best form standing before him? Yes. So you've got to stand. We spoke about all these movements last class, about what they mean and their significance. You've got to go back to the last class. And why do we pray and all that stuff. But today we're talking about the movements. So when you stand, you've got to stay there for a few seconds. Then, the what pillar are we up to? Six? No. Five. Six. <laughs> you didn't write them down. Okay, we said Niya, Allahu Akbar, Fatiha, Ruku'ah, standing. That's five. Now number six. Number six, you go down to what we call sujood. Sujood is a pillar, but you have to do it right. Here are the sujood. You ready for it? You've got to have eight parts of your body touching the ground. Let's count the eight parts. You ready? The forehead. Or if you say forehead, whatever you want to call it. Forehead. Nose, two palms, that's three. Some people, they go like that. I don't know why they do it. What are you, too much bacteria on the floor? We're full of bacteria. We've got one billion bacteria on each tooth. Did you know that? Trust me, I've got a science background. As if that means anything now. Huh? You've got to trust me now. 
So you've got to put your, all your palms on the floor. And you've got to have both your knees. And, it's very important, the toes, they have to be up and on the floor. Some people, they keep them like that, laying down. That's kind of a disrespect to Allah, you know. It's like you're flip-flopping your salat. It's like you're lazy. You're not. So there's a way to face Allah. And you've got to have both your toes up. And the, and the point of that is that your fingers are facing the qibla and your toes are facing the qibla as well. So all these eight parts have to be in your sujood unless you're not able to do them because of a disability. By the way, just a, 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 a what do you call it, a disclaimer. Any of these acts we're talking about, if because you've got a disability or you've got an injury and not able to do them right, it's okay. It doesn't invalidate your salat because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not make religion hard on you. Some people, just, just taking a break here, some people are unable to stand. So what do you do? Sit. Some people are even unable to sit. What do you do? Sit on the floor. Some people can't even sit on the floor at all. They got, let's say they've got um, back surgery. What do, they, what do they do? They lie down on their stomach. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the imam lying down on his stomach and everybody has to lie down behind? Can you imagine coming to this? Because you're supposed to do what the imam does, right? Imam's lying down on his stomach because of back injury. And all everyone's <laughs> lying down on their stomach and everyone's praying like that. If that were to happen, there's no other way. That, that, that would be okay, you know that? But obviously that's a very far-fetched circumstance. So anyway, you do what you can. So now we've got the sujood. Now, number seven. You've got to get up to sit and wait in your sitting. Remember how we said before you've got to stand up and wait in your standing? Now we're staying the sitting. You've got to get up and sit and wait. What are you in a hurry for? Two, three seconds. Wait. Relax. You're sitting before. Remember what we said last week. Why do you sit? It's because the sujood is, is, is the, when you're in your right on the floor, it's the closest you can ever be to God, to Allah. It's the closest position of humility to Allah. And, and, and if, you, if you picture it, because of the amount of humility and intimacy you have with Allah, the sitting is a symbol that your body can't get back up, so you've got to go for another one. It's, it's, it, you're humbled. You're almost, you almost can't feel yourself. So you can't, you got, your body won't let you go back up, so you go back into this intimacy. So, number eight, you sit for a little while. Number eight, you go for a second sujood. So, the second sajda with the eight parts of your body is a pillar. That's eight. Number nine is standing back up. So, for the second rakah, you have to stay standing. Okay? Number ten is called tama'nina. What's tama'nina? Tama'nina means to relax. If someone says, but how can I relax? Sometimes there are things on my mind. You know, I've got five daily prayers. Things happen between those five daily prayers. Sometimes a tragedy happens. How am I supposed to relax in prayer every time? Come on. You said religion is not hard. How am I supposed to relax? I can't relax. My mind's taking me everywhere. No, I'm not saying that. Relaxing just means this. That you do every action of the salat and you give it time. You do it right. That's all it means. It, all it means is that when you do that bowing, do it right. When you do the sujood, do it right. And take your time a little bit. You know, at least three seconds. But just don't do it quickly. That's all it means, tama'nina. And whatever you do more than that is, you get rewarded for it. So tama'nina, you've got to do every part and give it its right. Tama'nina. Wait, wait, wait. Don't rush, 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 rush. As the Prophet, peace be upon him, said in one of his statements, says, uh, some people, they pray their prayer like the pecking of a rooster. Bang, 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 and then they go. He goes, this person has no salat. The 
Prophet ﷺ said he has no salat, like the picking of a rooster. What are you doing? Are you praying or are you just exercising? What are you, what are you doing? Some people, they pray taraweeh, like the picking of a rooster. I remember one sheikh, he called it, we're going to pray tarobics. <laughs> taraweeh, aerobics, you get it? It's called a dad joke. I am a dad, I can joke like that. Anyway, number 12, the 12th pillar is doing all the actions in order. Doing all the actions in order. You can't put one action before the other. You've got to do it in order. Isn't that correct? You go for an interview. You go before the judge. You go before, for some men, before your wife. Uh, things have to be in order. <laughs> Otherwise, you're in trouble. Another dad joke. And then you do everything in order before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because salat is in order. Number 13. You know the last... You know when we sit and we do the At-Tahiyyatu Lillahi wa Salawatu wa Tayyibatu? You know that one? Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadur Rasulullah. Okay. Not the first one, the last one. So the last one is a pillar, not the first one. The last one is a pillar. You gotta do that. If you don't do that, you gotta repeat it. You gotta repeat that whole rakah. Number 14. No, number what? I'm skipping it. I'm trying to cheat. Number 13 is. And this is a difference of opinion here among the scholars. They said, saying, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah or Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. You've got to send prayers and blessings onto the Prophet Some of them said it's a pillar, some said it's an ob obligation. Um, I, I rest, I lean more towards that it is a pillar. You should say at least, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah. If you don't know that, say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. If you don't know it, it's okay. But when you do know it, you can't deliberately leave it out, okay? So, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Not the whole tahiyyatu lillahi wa salawatu wa tayyibatu wa salamu alayka nabi wa salamu ala nabi. We're going to get to that, alright? That's actually a sunnah. It's not even an obligation. So, at least, ashhadu an la ilaha wa salamu alayka rasulullah. Or, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Sending prayers and blessings of the Prophet, peace be upon him. So, that's a pillar. And the last pillar, is it 14? The last pillar is saying assalamu alaikum you know like this and like that too assalamu alaikum assalamu alaikum that's a pillar how, what did i say assalamu what do people normally say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah i didn't add that right the pillar is just assalamu alaikum that's the minimum but if you're praying the farad prayer what's a farad prayer Not, yeah, not, not when everyone is with you. The Fadr prayer, but you're right, it's, one, it's the five daily prayers. The five prayers are Fadr prayers. So if you're praying Zuhur or Asr, it's called a Fadr prayer. It's called a compulsory prayer. If you're praying compulsory prayer, you must say Salam to the right and to the left. To the right, you must say it to the right and to the left. All right? Without the coughing. You, don't, you can cough if you like, if you need to in the Salat. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum, assalamu alaikum. That's in the compulsory prayer. If you're praying a voluntary prayer, like just an optional prayer or a sunnah prayer, it's enough just to say it to one side. You know the difference now? Okay, what I just told you now is unanimous among the scholars. There's no difference of opinion on this, inshallah, as far as I know. Is that 14? Did I leave anything out? What did I leave out? Oh, yeah. There's one which is also... Um, well, it's more of an obligation somewhere in between. It's facing the Qibla. We'll get to that, inshallah. So that's the 14 pillars. Now, brothers and sisters, 
These 14 pillars, we need to memorize them first when we're learning how to do our salat, our prayers. 14 pillars of salat. Each one has a significance, right? Leaving any of them out again deliberately means that you have to repeat parts of all the salat, even forgetfully. Even if you forgot them, for, forgot them. So let, I'm going to give you an example about the pillars. Let's say I got up for salat of dhuhr and I went straight into the prayer. I just go like this. And I didn't say Allahu Akbar. My intention is there, but I didn't say Allahu Akbar. And I just went straight into the Fatiha. I did my rukur, my sujood and everything. Right? And then I remembered in the end that I didn't say Allahu Akbar in the beginning. What do I have to do now? Yep, I got to do the whole prayer from the beginning. Why from the beginning? Because it never started. You got it? Even if you prayed all four, you got to do it. Let's say you finished and you went and then you remembered, oh, oh, I didn't say Allahu Akbar. But you have to be sure about that. Not doubt. Some people, the shaitan gets to you and you start having these whispers, compulsive disorders. So you go back, you repeat the whole salat because you didn't say Allahu Akbar. Okay, I'm going to give you another example. Let's say I said Allahu Akbar, right? But I forgot to recite Al-Fatiha. I just forgot it. And I went down up down and then i remembered uh oh in the first rakah i did not say al-fatiha what should i do all i do is i add one more whole rakah the whole thing all right there's one more thing i got to do i got to do something called sajda tasahu that's a lesson on its own but i'll just say it very quickly sajda tasahu is very simple right at the end okay at the end of the salat just before you say salam alaykum wa salam alaykum wa you just go down and do two sajdas. Subhan Rabbil Azim, Subhan Rabbil A'la, Subhan Rabbil A'la, Subhan Rabbil A'la. Sit up, go back down, Subhan Rabbil A'la, Subhan Rabbil A'la. Sit up, don't say anything. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. It's called, it's like you're asking God to forgive you. It's like saying sorry Allah. And this is how you say sorry to Allah, by giving two sajdas. Is that clear? I think most of you know it. Good question. What if you forgot to do the sajda to sahu? What if you forgot to do the thing that you do for forgetting? <laughs> okay? So, it's okay. So long as you haven't moved around and gone and come and all of that stuff, you remember, you just do the two sajda to sahu still. Even if you talked a little bit, you just do it. What if you went and you forgot all about sajda to sahu? According to the correct opinion, it's okay. Because you forgot. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Rufi'an ummatil khata wa nisyan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has lifted the accountability upon anyone who merely genuinely forgets and genuinely didn't know. You didn't know genuinely, you genuinely forgot. And that's it. All right, does that answer your question? Now, you guys are sitting there, and I'm sitting here in this nice, lovely chair. It's nice, it goes up and down, backwards. It's a little bit uncomfortable. I'm, I'm kind of forward, Bilal. You've got to get me another one. Get some charity from the people. Buy me a nice chair. Come on. Well, no, I won't accept that. It's beautiful. But you're all sitting down there and your backs are probably breaking. How are you feeling? They're not talking. It means you're in trouble. All right. I've still got the obligations and the sunan. Should we leave them till next week and I answer your questions? Hands up if you want me to go through the eight obligations. Oh my goodness, you guys are doing jihad here. You're sitting there and 
I'm not saying jihad, the, the other thing. I'm saying that you're, you're, you're striving against yourselves, against the pain, just to sit there and learn. The struggle and striving of learning. All right, I'll go through them quickly, inshallah. Bismillah. Now we're talking about the eight obligations. Who can repeat what the obligation is? It means... Yes? In the blue? Yep. You have to do. Yeah, you have to do. If you, if you, if you deliberately don't do them, your prayer is invalid. But if you forget them, you don't have to repeat them. You do not have to repeat them, but you do sajda to sahu in the end. All right, guys? Here they go. Number one. Is clapping allowed in the masjid? Of course it is. Why not? Clapping. Why would you shake your hand, you extremist? <laughs> I'm joking, Habibi. I love you. Okay, so number one, obligation. Obligation. No, we said the pillar is the niyyah. Okay, obligation. Saying, Subhana Rabbi al Azim while you are bowing. Subhana Rabbi al Azim. Saying, Sami'allahu liman hamida when you stand up. If you're praying behind the Imam, obligation to say, Rabbana laka alhamd. To you, O oh Allah, we thank and send gratitude. That's number two. Number three, saying Allahu Akbar at every movement. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. You see those ones? Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. So saying Allahu Akbar between all the movements is an obligation. Number four is saying Subhana Rabbi Al A'la when you're down on the floor at least once. Saying Subhana Rabbi Al A'la at least once. How many is that? We're going to get to that. No, no, no. There's... We'll get to that. Subhan Rabbi Al-A'la is the obligation. I'm just going to say the obligation. is a minimum obligation. Number five is the first tahiyyat. Remember how I said there's two tahiyyats? The first one where you sit and the second one? So the first one, that's an obligation. Okay, that's five. Uh, number six is, um, you know, I actually forgot. What was number six for the obligation? What is it? No, not reading a surah after the Fatiha. That's a sunnah. Anyone remember? Number six, seven, eight. We've got three more. Huh? <laughs> I told you guys, leave it till next week. I'll remember. I just got to blank right there all right I'll tell you what we mentioned how many five yeah we'll leave the next three till next week insha'Allah ta'ala okay but let me just say something the obligations of the salat is that if you miss them out forgetfully you just do sajda to sahu in the end here is an example let's say I forgot to do the first tahiyyat I, go, I went straight up do you sit back down do you sit back down? No, you stay up. Even if you remembered, just at the end of the salat, before you say salamu alaykum, salam, do sajda to sahum. Good? All right, very good. Um, when I'm praying imam, sometimes I've gotten up, right? And I forgot the tahiyyat. You see the people, it's about to be, you know, a war at the back. Subhanallah! 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 It's going great. Yeah, gotta sit down. 
and I don't, and then everyone's thinking, did my prayer get accepted? Did okay, there's no need. Don't, you know, there's no need to, to get an anxiety attack over it. It's all good, inshallah. You just do sajda to sahu in the end. All right, so I'll finish the next three. Now, the rest of them, the sunnas, I actually wasn't going to say them because there's just so many. All right? But anything other than that, other than the pillars and the obligations, they're just optional, inshallah. Don't go fighting over, you have to do this, you can't do that. You have to move your finger, don't move your finger. You have to say this. Everything else is optional, inshallah, and get rewarded for it. And I will advise you, there is a little book called Fortress of the Muslim, Husnul Muslim. You can download it on the app. And it's got all those little optional things you can say in your salat, little optional acts you can do in your salat and many other things there for, for extra rewards. Finally, I just want to say one more thing is left. You know the, the, the sunnah? Sunnahs. The sunnahs. The sunnah sunnah. Like the sunnah prayers. How many are there? How many? Six? Nope. Huh? Four? Nope. Higher. Higher than six, higher than four. Huh? One. Twelve. Eight. Five. Going once. <laughs> Going twice. Huh? <laughs> okay. The, no. <clears throat> the majority of the scholars agree that it is twelve. It is twelve of those things called the sunnah prayers that you do other than the obligatory. Um, and some scholars added... 16. All right, so I'll count them for you. The first sunnah is the two that you pray before the fajr prayer. Before or after? Before. How many? Two. Then comes the dhuhr. Four before. One, two, three, four. I've got to be careful when I'm counting because sometimes I ended up, end up with the root finger up. So I'm going to say, so we've got two and then you've got four before dhuhr. After dhuhr, what do you got? Two. How many is that? Eight. And then you got Maghrib, the sunset prayer. After it is two. So that's ten. And then we're left with the last prayer, Aisha. After Aisha is how many? Two. How many is that? Twelve. Now, the minority of scholars, some considered another four before Asr. But there's no text in the Quran or hadith that says that there is four. In fact, I can relate to you one beautiful hadith. We'll end it with this. A hadith in Sahih Muslim, which is an authentic hadith, where the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, um, Whoever prays 12 voluntary salats, prayers, in a day, will have a palace built for them in paradise. Aisha, his wife, radiallahu anha, another hadith in Tirmizi Abu Dawood, which is also authentic, she said, the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, There are 12 voluntary prayers in a day, sunnas, or voluntary prayers. Nawafil or sunnas. She called them nawafil or voluntary prayers. Whoever prays them will have a palace built for them in paradise. And she counted them, what I just counted before. Okay? And that's why we lean more towards 12 sunnas of the day. What do the 12 sunnas do? You know how when you're praying your obligatory prayers, sometimes you're, you're moody, sometimes you're forgetful, sometimes you're kind of in a rush, right? Sometimes you, you, you decide to just pray the minimal of the, of the salat. Well, you know, the sunnahs, what they do is they like fuel it up more. They make it more valuable. On the day of judgment, the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, on the day of judgment, the first thing a person will be accounted for, the first thing a Muslim will be asked about is their salat. If it is good, what's going to come after it is going to be good. And he said, some people will bring their obligatory prayers and their kind of, 
They prayed one prayer really good, another prayer not so good, another one this much. And then what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says is, does, does this person have any sunnahs, any voluntary prayers that they did? You know, optional, the ones they just chose to do by themselves. It says, yes, Ya Rabbi's got here and here and here. And they add them to it, and then it completes, it fuels a lot all up. So that's why we pray the sunnah prayers, voluntary prayers, optional prayers. Guys, the more you pray to Allah, the more you do this special salat that you do, the closer you feel to the one true God. You know, Muslims are the ones who have adhered to it for so, 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 so well and so complete. The Jews, um, they, they, used to, they used to have three daily prayers and, and um, you know, some of them have lost it and don't even pray it anymore. Some of them, they hardly do it. Only the most ultra-Orthodox Jews, they still kind of do, but they don't go all the way to the ground anymore. Remember last week we, we spoke about, the week before we spoke about how the Old Testament and New Testament Nizams talks about Jesus Christ taking a few steps forward into the garden and then he felt, he, 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 um, he went flat onto his face worshipping the Lord. Um, we talked about, um, you know, in Isaiah and in uh, Gen and in um, uh, uh, Subhanallah in um, Exodus and in all these different um, books of, of, of the Bible where we talked about um, uh, Prophet Aaron, um, Aaron and uh, and Moses um, when they bowed down to God um, they washed themselves their faces and their hands and they bowed down to God and went into prostration flat face face on the ground to God Joshua prayed to God by putting his face down to the ground so brothers and sisters the salat has always been forever. But alhamdulillah, we thank God that we still have the Qur'an that is intact to the last letter, to the last dot, without the change, without the omission or addition of a single word or a letter. And anyone can recite the Qur'an perfectly as it was revealed the first time 1,400 and so years ago, without any two versions. Alhamdulillah, we have a standard that we can base it on and rely upon that it is still authentic and the words of our Prophet, peace be upon him, that have been passed on to us from generation after generation, that we can rely on and take our, the knowledge of our deen and be confident that we are following, inshallah, what originally was revealed to the Prophets. So alhamdulillah and praise be to Allah. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry for those of you who are new here. Um, you know, we get a bit technical about salat issues and um, some Muslims are still ask a lot of questions and that's what we're here to help you inshallah yes oh yeah so we said the sunnah there are 12 and what about witr witr is one one set that we do right at the end of the entire day and night and you should do it before you go to sleep it should be the last thing you do because it's nice to go to sleep on an act of worship right and prophet peace be upon him told us it's only one it's called witr. In, in the Quran, Allah says, وَالشَّفْعِ وَالْوَتْرِ You know, dual prayers and, and, and singular prayers. So this is a singular one, a witr. We'll talk about that another time. It's, it's got a lot of description. But it's one singular prayer. Don't leave it out. It's somewhere in between obligatory and sunnah. So it's higher than the voluntary prayers, more important, and a little bit less than the obligatory prayer. So don't leave it out. You just pray one. If you don't know how to pray, it's okay. Just do one singular whole Set and that's it before you go to sleep and make it be your last words and last action that you do. Now, yes. Intention. Brother is asking, let's say you missed the midday salat, zuhur, and you postponed it till asr. First of all, you have to have a good a reason for that. Let's say you couldn't leave work and, and, and work was chock-a-blocks and... Uh, you just can't, or you're a paramedic, or something like that, and you're not able to, to do that dhuhr salat. 
you have to postpone it. You're allowed to join it with the next Salat and do them both in one time. Yep. So you're asking about the intention. The intention is that. Just that. What you intended, which is I'm postponing it, I'll pray it with the next Asr. And when you come to pray, you get up to pray the Dhuhr. As soon as you say Allahu Akbar, you know that you're praying which? The Dhuhr. So your intention is Dhuhr. Then when you finish, you get up to pray the Asr. It's already in your head. It's already in here. And you just pray the Asr. So long as you are aware and know what you're doing. it's Okay, what's intention? Intention means a deliberate, intentional act that you know about and aware about and there is no space timing between your intention and the act so right there and then i won't say too much more because i don't want to lose you guys it's these topics are very technical okay next anything else yes brother over there Yes. Good question. So the brother there is asking about congregational prayer. Like here in the masjid, we're all praying together. All right? Not by yourself. Just want to make that difference. The jama'ah, congregational prayer. You're praying and there's an imam at the front leading the salat. And you're all praying behind in rows. Everybody understand that part, right? The brother is asking, let's say you just entered the mosque and the imam has already finished saying Allahu Akbar, he's finished Al-Fatiha, finished a small surah, whatever, or, or a long surah, and then goes into ruku' bowing. And you enter at that point, correct? What do you do? You gotta, first of all, you've got to stand facing the qibla like the rest. That's the first one. You must say Allahu Akbar. You must say Allahu Akbar, otherwise your salat is invalid. And then go straight to bowing. That's it. Allahu Akbar, go straight to bowing. You don't even need to lift your hands up. So remember how I mentioned pillars and obligations? Lifting your hands is not part of the pillars or obligation. All right? It's just a voluntary thing. So you say, Allahu Akbar. You can do that if you like. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do anything. Allahu Akbar and go straight to bowing. You guys didn't ask me another question. Okay, what if I go straight to bowing, but I haven't read the Fatiha? Remember when we say the Fatiha is a pillar? I haven't read the Fatiha and I went straight to bowing. Is my prayer valid or not? Hmm? Yes or no? Yay or nay? Huh? Why, Ya Bilal? Why? Why is it acceptable because you're praying behind the Imam? Why? Huh? And you have your evidence for that, inshaAllah. The hadith of the Prophet So the Imam has been placed there so that your salat is covered by him. All right? And, and I'll, I'll add something a little bit more. You know how when people pass in front of people who are praying? Okay? This is a big thing to us, right? And I want to just tell you what it means. And then, so if you're praying in jama'ah, in congregation, and the imam is at the front, and you need to leave your salat or you need to get through the rows to get to a certain gap, let's say. Or let's say you're praying, you lost your wudu, you want to go and make your wudu again. Can you pass in front of all these people who are praying? Yes or no? Some of you kind of go in circles, you don't know. Huh? Good. Okay, so alhamdulillah everyone knows. Yes, that is true. You're allowed to pass in front of the people behind the imam except for 
the Imam. It is a sin to pass in front of the Imam. But if I pass in front of the Imam, is everyone's prayer gone? Yes or no? One of these, huh? Huh? No, no, you don't, you don't invalidate anyone's salat, but you are sinful for walking in between. Okay, let's say someone is praying by himself, salat by himself or herself, and you passed in front of them. What happens? You deliberately passed in front of them. So many passed in front of them. Is it allowed? Not the front, anyone, anyone. Someone praying salat over there by themselves. And I go, I see and I go, I can pass behind him, but I, I can't be bothered. I'll just go in front of him. Can I pass in front of him? Uh -huh. No, it's sinful to pass in front of a person who is making salat. There are lots of sayings of Prophet ﷺ. However, does it invalidate his prayer? Or her? No, it doesn't invalidate, but you are in sin. All right, another question. If you do pass in front of the person who is praying deliberately, let's say they're praying, so five meters there, and all this is a gap. Can you pass five meters in front of that person? Yes, you can. What is the distance that it is, that, that it is not allowable? Difference of opinion among the scholars. We go with the safest one. The safest one, you know the sujood? Three of them ahead. So three of the same sizes of his sujood. Just kind of estimate and you can pass in the front there. It's okay. Some people, they pray all the way where that pole is, the pillar is, and leave this entire gap of the, of the masjid. Come on, man. Where are we going to pass? Some people go all the way to the back and they're praying right over there. Imagine we say you can't pass in front of anyone. But you're stuck there until the guy's finished. Can't pass. Child's over there. Imagine a little child. Baba. You go, I'm coming, my son. I just got to make it through. I'll be there, son, I promise. And he's, Dad, the salat, you can't pass because the guy's praying all the way at the back. No, 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 of course not. You can't pass, inshallah. It's just directly in front of the person. What if you mistakenly passed in front of that person? Mistaken. I was in a rush. I was in a hurry. Uh, I didn't notice. I didn't mean it. And I passed. Am I in sin? No. The Prophet said, Allah has lifted the pen of a person who makes a mistake or forgot. Isn't that right? So, irhamu turhamu. Have mercy. Allah will give you mercy. We have mercy among each other. We forget sometimes. We make a mistake. Isn't that correct? No big deal, my dear brothers and sisters. Insha'Allah. No big deal. Huh? Okay, so if a person deliberately wants to pass and there's only a little section to pass in front of the person, what you do is you put something that's about a dhira, so a little from the elbow to the tip of your finger, so something in front of the person and you pass, insha'Allah ta'ala. Okay? So you can put a chair, you can put... Uh, uh, some people, they take their jacket off. It's very smart, I saw it, and I, I didn't know what to say. I go, I can't, I can't say it's wrong. They took off their jacket, put the jacket right there, so it's high, and they walked around their jacket in front of the person. I looked at it, I go, well, it, it, it fits the category, it fits the conditions, I thought, well, I can't say anything. But we can always be on the safe side, inshallah. Look, what I'm trying to say is, brothers and sisters, is yani, sometimes we, we can get ahead of ourselves and, and, and take things a little bit too far, more than what they really deserve. And sometimes it's not, that, it's not a big deal. 
Okay, and it's, it's okay sometimes. Islam is not that difficult. At the end of the day, we are brothers and we are sisters and that's what matters the most. Now, there are people who deliberately go and pass just because they want to prove a point or they want to get the guy angry or the... Subhanallah, if, if a person's come about to pass right in front of you here, the Prophet ﷺ allowed you to put your hand up and, and strongly and sternly not let him pass. He said because the shaitan wants him to pass, you will not let the shaitan get the better of him or her. So put your hand out if you like. But even if you don't and they pass, make du'a for them. May Allah guide them. That's it. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Anything else? No. Amen. Doesn't reach the? Yeah. Let me repeat. So he's praying Maghrib, it's three. He prays two. Makes the slim, forgot that he didn't do the third one, and leaves the masjid. What does he have to do? They do ought to be on the safe side, yeah. Oh, this is a good question. Honestly, I haven't found a, you know, a clear-cut answer to that among the scholars. Therefore, when we don't find a clear-cut answer, it means it's flexible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at your intention, and you do the one that you feel more confident to meet God on the Day of Judgment with. But I'll give you something to go by. If you get out of your space, your, your spot, and you leave the position, the area that you are praying in and you left the door right and then you remembered and you came back so if you're still within the vicinity and you haven't spoken much then you just add one more rakah and do the two sajda but if you went and started talking about you know other things like cryptocurrency and bitcoins and uh, metaverse and I don't know what and um, go and come and this and that then um, it's better to repeat the entire salat all right <laughs> now the iqama yeah, I know. look there's so much to talk about salat here yeah? I'll keep going on and on and on but brothers are asking if you're praying by yourself do you have to do the iqama you know the iqama Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah, Hayya ala salah, Hayya ala falah, Qad qamati salah, Qad qamati salah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah, not the, not the other one, Allah, not that one, this, the shorter one, just before the salat. First of all, akhi, even in jama'ah, it's not an obligation to do it. It's a sunnah, it's a voluntary, you get rewarded for doing it. So by yourself, definitely you don't have to do it. Your salat is still okay. For a woman or a man, Yeah. What do you mean follow what he says? So the guys, the, the Imam is reciting Al-Fatiha and you repeat Fatiha after him? Yeah, Surah, even Allahu Akbar, he says Allahu Akbar, he says Allahu Akbar, recites Kulu Allahu Ahad, he says Kulu Allahu Ahad. Is that what you're asking? Al-Fatiha, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, like that? Whatever, anything. All right. 
So the brother's asking that question. Can you repeat after the Imam what he, he's saying? Um, first of all, there is nothing in our Sharia that tells you to do that. Okay? La yushra, which means that it's not, or lam yushra, which means it was not told to us in the Sharia to do that. Okay? We've got to understand that. It's neither a sunnah nor an obligation, nor was it told. So really, there's no need to do it. Stay with me. That's one. No need to do it. Do we understand that one? It's not out of the Sharia. Number two, it's not haram to do. There's nothing that prevents it. Unless you believe that it is a good thing to do in worship, you've just created a sunnah that didn't exist. That's not right. But if you wanted to say it because you happen to desire to say it after the imam, you like reciting the Quran, then on one condition, it must be after the imam. And I advise you not to do it because one of the, okay, this is something else, a pillar of praying jama'ah. One of the pillars of praying together is that you are forbidden from beating the imam in anything. You can't say things before the imam and you can't act before the imam. If you do that, your salat has to be, you have to start again. You're not allowed to beat the imam. So when you're going to repeat after him, you, you could probably beat the imam. You probably say it before him. So I don't advise you to do that. Okay? Um, but with the Allahu Akbar, Allahu Liman Hamida, there's some space. So you can do that, inshallah. I hope that answers the question. Sorry, brother? Yeah. Yes, that is correct. And that's a very good point, brother. What's your name? Ibrahim. Beautiful name, Brother Ibrahim. We actually talked about this uh, in Ramadan, about this same topic. And that's another addition. That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... That is actually a very good point, brother. Very good point for reminding me. Allah says in the Quran, وَإِذَا قُرِئَ الْقُرْآنُ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ وَأَنصِتُوا لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ Allah says, when the Quran is being recited, then listen to it and be quiet. So in the hope that you are given mercy. And that goes for the Salat. If the Imam is reciting, you should be silent and listening. But the brother is saying, let's say the Imam says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And pauses and you say it. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Okay, that's what we're saying, yes? So, but because what the brother reminded me of, again, that's another precaution. Okay. Yes. By the way, if anyone needs to leave, brothers uh, or sisters, it's no, there's no disrespect if you do want to, I understand. But just answering any questions for, for whoever wants to, yeah. Sorry, what's that part? Alaysa. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's a good question. So the Imam recites some verses in the Quran, which sometimes it's nice for you to reply something or to say something. Like, for example, Allah says, Isn't Allah sufficient enough? Isn't he enough for his servant? And you say, Bala. Oh, yes, he is. Or, for example, uh, isn't Allah the most wisest of the wise? And you say, Bala. Then that's okay. Why? Because it's from the Sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ used to do it. 
But it's a sunnah act. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, in the Quran, sometimes you recite a verse, uh, says, Glorify the name of your Lord, the most great and tremendous. And you say, Subhan Rabbi Al-Azim. That's okay. Okay? So that's fine, inshaAllah ta'ala. Uh, the point is, you don't make up words of your own. So in Salat, speaking words of normal language that people converse with breaks your Salat. Isn't that right? You pray at the school, sometimes you see little kids. SubhanAllah, we've got to come and teach them all the time. The other day I got to see these three kids. One of them coughed. The other one copied him in coughing. And the third one just did it for good old sake, just for fun. And then suddenly the whole entire road is cough, cough, cough. They thought it's funny. Now, sometimes I stand aside to teach them and I watch them. It became a laughing stock. The whole road. <laughs> and the other one's coughing. He looks at him. <laughs> one of them stepped on his jacket. He get out of, gets out of his prayer, kicks, kiss the other one next to his shoes. Move, move off my jacket. He even spoke to him in English. So I came to those young boys and I said, do you know what happened here? He goes, sir, it was just funny. I said, yeah, I know it was funny. Look, that's all. We didn't mean it. It's just funny. We laughed. Goes, yeah, I know. And the other one, goes, you picked up your jacket and you kicked the other kid in his shoe. He goes, yes, yeah, so he was stepping on my jacket. I was just trying to get it off. I said, yeah, but you can't do that in Salat. If it's funny, you can't laugh in Salat. You can't talk to people in your son. You can't move out of your space and, and spot for no reason. They go, oh. They literally and generally did not know. <laughs> so alhamdulillah, you know when they said that, I said, you, have you reached puberty? <laughs> Actually, I didn't say that. I said, if you've reached puberty, did you know that you're accountable for your salat? They go, oh, sure. And, and another little one I could see, he goes, what if you haven't, sir? I said, then you've got a big bag that you need to fill with all these good deeds because you don't get any... Um, bad deeds so now's your time all of them mashallah they stood up they go I'm going to do it again and they prayed their whole salat again so it shows this genuine alhamdulillah nature in them sometimes they just don't know anyway I forgot why I wanted to mention this I want to make a point I hope you got the point yes and we'll take good question so let's say you're making salat uh, you've got a baby that's crying whether you're a mother or a father and you got the baby, you can, and the baby's crying and crying, so you're allowed to bend down, carry the baby, and hold them. Yeah. Assalamu alaikum, brothers. Nice to see you. Well, I, I was very happy to see you. Assalamu alaikum, brother. See you, my friend. I'll see you, inshallah. Make me a nice coffee next time, huh? Brother has a great coffee shop. What's it called? Garden of Eden. Allah, what? Rounds? Giving it for free for everyone here? Habibi, no, no. We're going to go and give you more, inshallah, to help you. See you, my friend. Okay, so alhamdulillah. Um, I was joking, guys. You go give him more, all right? You don't go for freebies. <laughs> May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you. Brother's very generous, mashallah. He gives charity, coffee place up in Sydney Road. <clears throat> I was very happy to see them. He's got his friend there who is learning about Islam as well, mashallah. Yes. So yeah, you can carry... Okay, getting back to it. So you can carry your baby if the baby is crying. You can speed up the salat, even the imam. It is actually a sunnah, recommended sunnah, recommended act of the Prophet, peace be upon him. If the imam is praying in a whole, and he hears a baby crying, to shorten the salat, to shorten it. All right, it's called rahmah, it's called mercy. Uh, let's say you're praying and your baby or a child is in a dangerous place. Let's say you forgot the iron on. 
and still hot. You see the baby crawling. You can walk to the baby, look at the baby, move the iron, change from the direction of your qibla, carry the baby and come back, and your salat is still valid. Why? There is a necessity, there's danger. Allah doesn't make you make salat and, allow, and let your baby get burnt, no. Even leading the salat. Imam is leading, I can give you multiple examples. The Imam is leading the salat, he sees a scorpion. All right, and if he's one of those really brave lions from up the village, he comes and slaps it with his palm. <laughs> Don't do that, man. But let's say you see a scorpion or something dangerous, right? You're not going to see it here in the masjid, but let's say praying in, in, around Mecca, or you're praying in the desert, or you're praying in the park, or something like that, and something's dangerous, you can move from it or, or move away from it or whatever. That's, that's fine, inshallah. All right? Anything, any, any kind of danger, um, you can do anything in your salat, move around. Um, and your salat, you can just continue normal, inshallah. Okay? What if you're lying down? You can't move. You've you got back aches. Or you, you got a, you've done back surgery. You can't sit down. You have to lie down on your stomach. And you're blind. Can't see. And you, you're hearing impaired. You're deaf. And you can't talk. You're speech impaired. What do you do? How do you pray? Huh? In your heart, in your mind. My students ask me, but sir, if he's blind, how's he going to imagine? He's never seen that stuff. Says, whatever he imagines or she imagines, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will know and accept, inshallah. Wa alaykum Brother is asking, are you allowed to pray inside your car? And if so, do you have to be facing the Qibla direction? Brother, generally, the foundational rule, al-asl, the foundational rule, the basis is that you are not allowed to pray in your car. You have to be standing. It's a pillar. So you're supposed to park your car anywhere and get up in a safe place and stand and pray. That goes for the woman as well. Because I, I hear some of our sisters that ask me, but I'm a woman, I can't get out and pray because people will see me. No, actually that's wrong. I don't know. I mean, if you can hide away from public eye for the woman, that's all right. But is your, your salat is not affected and you should still standing and all that stuff. However, if you are unable to get out of your car, a situation, I don't know, any situation where it's very difficult for you to get out of your car, then obviously you pray in your car. I'll give a better example. Let's say you're in the train, train, or you're in the aeroplane or you're on a boat, okay, and the salat time is going to go, um, you pray while you're in the plane, you pray while you're in the boat or in the train. Do you face the qibla? You must face the qibla. What if the train moves and goes this way and that way? What if the plane goes and don't? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So I was going to say to you that facing the qibla, it's, uh, it's an obligation, in, a condition, a condition of salat. It's a short, a condition of salat. But it doesn't matter if you went off a little bit or you couldn't you couldn't you just say so you face the qibla and it doesn't matter which direction the plane or the train um, faces and if you don't know where the qibla is what did we say last time you do hmm? estimate what if you don't know the stars you estimate you just say i think it's this way and just go for it inshallah not a problem i'll take two more questions inshallah and we'll yes i'm
100 what? Rakaz. You want to pray 100 in a day? Yes, you can. If you want, you can pray 100, 1,000, as many as you like. Yeah, you can. Why can't you? But I'll tell you what, if you pray just the five daily prayers, each one is equal to 10. So you've got 50. Did you know that? And you pray the sunnahs, that's a palace. And you pray all the voluntary here and there and there. Each one raises up more rewards and more things, mashallah. Last. Yes, uh, brother here. Can a person sitting on a wheelchair, for example, if a person has a disability, can't stand up and leads the salat is he allowed to lead the salat the answer is yes is the salat valid yes but what is the condition we have to sit as well so if the imam is sitting we sit as well brother Fatmir yes forgot all right Are you allowed to move them? Oh, okay, good question. So you're praying in congregation and one person's in front of you. No, one person's behind you. Behind you. You finished your prayer. There are people behind you still continuing what they didn't what they missed. And you want to move. Yes, you can, of course you can. Did you know in fact I want to tell you something? You know how you're sitting in front of a person who's praying and you've got your back to them and they're still praying? Everyone can pass in front of you. You become, you become what we call the sutra. You become the, the person who, who, who covers for your, for your brother who is praying. You get it? So people can pass in front of you now and you're covering your brother. You get it? So it's actually, if you have the time, it's actually rewarding for you to remain seated in front of them just to cover so people can pass in front. But you can get up and walk, it's not a problem. You are not passing in front of them. Yes, I said two, didn't I? I meant two and T. <laughs> yeah. So, you, that's a good question. It's a long question. Um, brother saying, you know how you can tap someone who's praying, tap them to tell them that you're praying behind them. So they can say, Allahu Akbar, so they can pray. Okay, and that's good that you can do that. You come into the masjid, you find the person praying Maghrib, and then you tap them to let them know you're praying behind them. That's good. You're allowed to do that, of course. Yeah, there's nothing haram. What if they're praying the sunnah, and you tap them, and you pray behind them? Can you pray behind them the sunnah? That's a, that's a controversial topic. It's it's a difference of opinion. But the asal, the, 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 the basis, is that you don't. You're supposed to pray behind a person. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the, let me repeat that. Let me repeat that. Let me repeat that. The scholars actually were asked about this. When I say scholars, Yani, we're talking about the madhabs, the schools of thought, and all their scholars, and the modern-day scholars were asked about this. You can pray behind someone a compulsory salat with the, the intention of a compulsory salat while they have the intention of a sunnah salat. Yes, you can do that, inshallah. But here's the problem with that. When you tap somebody who is praying the sunnah, 
they might not have the knowledge about this stuff. Yeah? And they don't know what they're doing. So now it, 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 it places a question mark on your salat. They don't, they don't say Allahu Akbar. They stay silent. They don't know what's going on. Because this requires knowledge now. Okay? And it requires you to ask about it. So when you tap them, they don't know what you're tapping them for. You know what I'm saying? They're going up and you're in sujood. You, don't, you can't hear them and you lose your concentration in salat. So I would advise you that if, unless, if you know a person's praying Maghrib, let's say, you know they're praying, pray behind them, inshallah. And even, like let's say Tarawih. Tarawih, you're praying the, your raka'at behind the imam. They're in Tarawih and you haven't prayed your Aisha' prayer. You can pray behind them with the intention of Aisha'. They pray two, let's say, and you get up and finish the other two. Yes, inshallah. Mm. Yes, brother, over here. The eyes, it's a good question, I know. So you're looking in front of you, where do you look? Um, so we don't have a statement in the Quran or Hadith from the Prophet telling us, telling us where to look, as far as I know. But the Sahabas tell us how they saw the Prophet praying. And generally, and this is um, agreed upon, that agreed upon by the, the schools of thought, that you can look anywhere in front of you, in your place of sujood, a little bit ahead, downwards, but you can't dangle your head and you can't look all the way up and you can't look to the sides. So as so long as it's in front of you, your salat is still valid. And you realize before, I didn't say it's a pillar or an obligation. Okay? But there are things that are forbidden in prayer. And we'll talk about them, inshallah, next week. What is forbidden in prayer? So just for that one, it's forbidden to look around unless there's a need. Okay? And you can look anywhere in front of you and even ahead of you, so long as you don't lift your head up and don't dangle it down and don't look to the sides. Okay? Inshallah. Especially if something's distracting you, look away. So it's all really... I'll tell you what, it's really about distraction. So let's say the carpet and it's really designed amazingly and there's all these letters and words and there's verses and, all, and, you're, and, you're, and you're getting mucked up with your prayer, it's better to look upwards. If looking straight is going to distract you, look downwards. That's the point. All right, one last question, inshallah. I think you had your hand up a long time, Yalla. Yeah. Oh yeah, so you see someone praying, two people, and he's standing next to the imam. And then you come along, you want to join him. Do you, take, do you tap the person who's praying next to the imam to join you at the back? Yes, you do. That's what you should do. You've got two options. Either you pray on the left side of the imam, and you can pray on the right side of the other person, or you tap them and they move back. If they don't know how to move back, put your hands around their sides and help them to go back but one thing don't do is do not pray by yourself at the back in a jama'ah in a congregation you shouldn't pray by yourself okay all right and that's a big that's another big topic so my dear brothers and sisters thank you uh sorry again if i took too long and may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you for your for your patience may allah reward you sallallahu alayhi wa sallam see you next week on wednesday inshallah assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah